The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The best book under our tree last Christmas was The Thing Explainer. It was written by a rocket scientist named Randall Monroe who quit his job at NASA to write a book that explains really complicated things like the space shuttle and tectonic plates and the solar system and the cells in your body with words so simple that anybody can understand. It's a clever idea, and it is exactly what Jesus is doing in the gospel appointed for this morning. Jesus is explaining himself and his kingdom with words so simple that anybody can understand. On the first read, it seems like there is plenty in this little speech from Jesus to make you nervous. Listen to him. I did not come to bring peace on earth. I've got a sword and I'm not afraid to use it. By the time I'm done, it will be mom against dad, against son, against daughter, against in-laws. And don't forget to bring cups of cold water for me and my friends. To us, that sounds complicated. It's not exactly gentle Jesus, meek and mild. So how do we get from there to that very simple spot where we live together with Jesus forever in mercy and joy and peace? The whole thing turns on one word in verse 37. The word more. Get that one word right. More. And the riddle of being a Christian is solved. Get it wrong, and you end up on your own forever. So now, the thing explained. While at first this gospel sounds harsh, there is actually a lot of comfort here if you and I will only have it. Here is the first bit of good news. Verse 34, 
Jesus does not come to make peace with the world as it is. This is fabulous for anybody who is tired of the way things are right now. If you find the world today to be cruel, dangerous, base, unfair, depraved, unloving, and hopeless, then this is the Jesus for you. You remember that long ago when Jesus made the world, he ordered the world perfectly in love. But with our sins we wrecked it, and ever since, with our pride, we've been praising ourselves and our wrecked world as brilliant. But today in the Gospel, Jesus disagrees. Jesus wants his world back, and he wants all his children home again. So it is absolutely fabulous that Jesus does not make peace with the world as it is. Jesus does not make peace with our sins. Instead, Jesus comes to slay our sins and to resurrect us. Jesus has come to change a world that desperately needs to be changed. Next, there are a couple of ways to use a sword. Sure, Jesus can use his sword to stab things and cut things and kill things if they will not surrender. But if they will surrender, or in biblical language, if they will repent, then Jesus can use his sword to sort things out, to push things back into their proper spots, and then to protect all of you when he's finished. And finally, while taking up your cross sounds painful, life without a cross is much more painful still. Folks without a cross suffer alone, and so their suffering is hopeless and pointless. It's meaningless, actually, and it ends in nothing. But your cross is Jesus' cross. There is no difference. You got that cross in your baptism when your life was bound to his life. So for all of you, his cross, your cross, they are exactly the same thing. Which means for you, forgiveness and resurrection, and eventually someday, going home to Eden. So how did things get so messed up in the first place? It all goes back to that single word, more. It all started early when Adam and Eve loved themselves more than their creator and got themselves kicked out of paradise. Since then, the story of loving things more than God has been told over and over again but with exactly the same results. Cain loved himself more than God, so he killed Abel. David loved Bathsheba more than God, and so their first child perished. Israel loved idols more than God, and so they went into exile in Babylon. The Pharisees loved religion, more than Jesus. 
And so they had Jesus crucified. And if that is the way the world has always worked, then why would our world think that if we love our things, even our father, our mother, our sister, our brother, our in-laws, more than God, why would we think that our story would be any different? This is all very simple. It's the same story over and over again. And it will not end differently without God's intervention. And that is the change that Jesus is explaining today. Here is the very, very bright side of this story to take with you as you go. While Jesus is not here today to make peace with the world, Jesus is here today to make peace with you. His church and this church, this two square blocks, is Eden on earth. This room is filled with angels, and they have swords, and their swords are meant to protect you and not to slay you. His cross is your atonement. It is your reconciliation. It is your peace with God. And here today, at baptism, at absolution, at Eucharist, again and again and again, Jesus joins his life to your life, his resurrection to your resurrection, his fate to your fate. So you have absolutely nothing to fear, even in the midst of a very depraved and very cruel world. Instead, Jesus draws you here today to welcome you as family, back to Eden and back to life, back to the way life should be. And since you're back, he makes you part of the family business. Toward the end, he cuts you in for a share. He puts you to work. Your job begins with small things like a free cup of water to prophets and pastors and the people around you. But it grows up into big things, into the things we always talk about here from Acts chapter 2, that Christ is first, and we read Scripture, and we say our prayers, and we come to the liturgy, and we go to Eucharist, and we tie the real 10%, and we give more as alms for the poor, and we live in a thorough mercy, and that thorough mercy gives a winsome witness, and together that makes us Christ church here on earth. It is not complicated. It's actually very simple. It comes down to one word. It comes down to loving Jesus more than anything else. And to you, for this, Jesus promises that you will not lose your reward. So the kingdom of God is Jesus and his cross and his church and his changing everything for the better, a change that brings real peace and one that sticks with you forever and ever. As your parents always told you, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. This is what we do here. And we do it together. And there is never, ever anything to fear because you all are on the side of the angels. Your fate is tied to Jesus' fate, and he lives forever as king of the universe. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.